Welcome to this special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. In this special series, I'm sharing with you 12 speakers from the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I really hope you enjoy their wisdom. Hey folks, it's Amy here. Welcome back to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I'm really excited today to introduce my guest, Daniel Scott, who I had the very good fortune of taking some classes with a couple of years ago now. Daniel, thanks for sharing your time and wisdom with us. Well, thanks for inviting me. Uh, and, you know, just as I guess it's a good look, you survived the class and actually asked to bring me back years later, been thinking fondly about it. So I'm actually curious to hear more about your experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get to that momentarily. Folks, I'm going to uh, introduce Daniel formally with his fabulous bio. And there's something in there that really speaks to me, but I'm sure you'll tell from my eyebrows which part that is. Here we go. Daniel Scott is a yogi oh gosh, should have practiced this provocateur, offering a fresh alternative to the traditional yoga voice. His classes are a lively mix of balance and improv. I agree. Strength and flexibility, breath and body. With a light heart and an open mind, Daniel focuses on moving into postures, not through them. That's interesting. A globally renowned Ashtanga Vinyasa teacher and certified level two acro yoga instructor, Daniel enjoys barefoot running, street art, good coffee, large quantities and great qualities. Deeply dedicated to sharing in the immense journey from self-conscious to self-aware, Daniel Scott strives to answer the ever-present question, are you moving or being moved? Right. Oh, wow. It sounds really good when someone else reads it. It's a great bio. I want to meet that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great bio. Um, and obviously, like you and I have the uh, coffee barber in common. So um, it's a pleasure to talk to another no prana, no coffee friend. <laughs> So tell us, what's it, um, where should we even start? So, so I guess I did go to some of your classes in uh, Bulgaria. Where else would I go to your classes? And that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about them was I felt like you're, you were the teacher, you held space for us, you got us to do great things, but it felt like an exploration. It wasn't just, mm. here's me at the front, the, you know, the, the yoga liberty, and you guys do everything. I really felt like, it was an opportunity to explore mm -hmm. practice and asana is that is that part of your your vibe is that part of what you're about yeah there's a term i think that's often thrown around with quite seriousness in the practice it's called the shtick that is my shtick um let's see remind me yeah. which year like was this it was in bulgaria was it at the studio or was it at the retreat like the festival yeah it was at the and festival was this, was this festival up in the mountains or was it by a lake no it was the one up in the mountains it was the first okay. one i think ah so we were up at Boris. yes mm. that one yeah Ah, uh, yes those are fun classes <laughs> i mean they're all the same so here's the deal um it kind of comes down to one thing and i don't know everything as a as a student myself, I constantly am trying to learn more about my practice as an instructor or a facilitator of instruction. Um, most the, the the real gem of actually being able to be in front of the class is that I actually get to have a conversation where I get to say things and people respond physically, and then I get to learn about someone's body yeah. by observing them and then kind of giving them opportunities. Yeah. Um, and as a, you know, and, and truly as an educator, which I think is something we'll talk about, there's a difference between a teacher and an educator and an instructor. But as an educator, it's really being able to get out of the way 
of what I'm trying to inspire in people and letting people find it for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, I, I have a very interesting background as a yoga practitioner. It started off, I mean, as a movement guy, I was competitive somewhere for 16 years. I started when I was five or six and it just went on until I stopped. And then even when I was done in my early twenties, I needed to do something else because objects in motion. Yeah. Um, yoga came by a few years later and once, uh, and then I just, you know, it was, I did my vinyasa thing for like the year I put my time in, but then I found Ashtanga and like a Mysore style practice where yeah. I really, it was like, you know, I'm trying to move away from the ego, but with a lot of ego to it. You know? <laughs> oh, being personally competitive with myself, it's the best. I can, I can, I can not compete with myself. I'm great at this. So that was great. And that went on for some years. And I learned the most I learned in a short period of time, I think was during that practice. It was pound for pound or ounce for ounce or whatever metric or standard American. It was really valuable stuff because I learned what was works and I learned what didn't work, but what I did not get to really do was get to go outside of the box. I would, for some yeah. reason, as a guy who normally lives crazily outside of the box, it was really nice to have structure. And it's funny because um, my, uh, my partner, she and I have similar styles of teaching and like, oh, so I should say we have similar practices that we present, but it's from two different directions. And, you know, she put it very elegantly. We had a conversation. She's like, you know, I had said something to the effect of, well, I come to the, I come to the mat because my life often is chaos and on the mat, I get to create uh, order from chaos. Yep. And she's like, well, you know, my life is much more ordered and I come to the mat to be a little bit more free, which is interesting because I, I totally profess freedom. I, I think people should do whatever they want at all periods of time, but from a place of education, from a place of observation and, and being able to learn more about themselves by having options mm -hmm. and uh you know so we might teach a very similar flow but just the cues that we we go or the intentions that like that we bring behind it are different and this is it's not bad or good it's just it is what it is and so for me i move from the inside outward and a lot of that is as an instructor or as a facilitator or educator or whatever as the guy in front of the room i have experience i want to share it outward mm -hmm. and so a lot of opportunity I can count breath for breath with someone. I have a decent practice. I can be like, okay, we do this, this, and this, follow me, follow me, follow me. But the moment I start telling people what to do, I'm not looking or listening what they're doing. Whoa. And so a lot, the, the best part about a class where you can give freedom is that if someone does something different and it's better than what you wanted to do, just do it. You can offer it to the class. All right, we're getting five breaths. We're going to meet in downward facing dog. How the heck are you going to get there? Some yeah. people call it a vinyasa, but it doesn't have to be that. So I learn a lot, I think, as, an, as a person, uh, as a student in front of the class, um, arguably as much, if not more, uh, as the person who might be in, you know, taking the class. And there's a certain ability, I'm comfortable and confident in my skills to allow chaos, but also from chaos find order, um, to help others have the experience or give them permission to realize that they're the, they know them that, you know, you know, you way better than I do in the time that I have. And maybe even over the you know course of 10, 15 years, we practice every day together. You still know your body experience better than I do. I'm just on the observer. Yeah. So why not take the skills and the time that we have on the mat to really listen to the teacher within or like educate yourself from what you know, and then, you know, to hear some suggestions, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, let's figure it out. What is That's the, my class. <laughs> I, I beautifully put in it, and I want to come back to what it takes 
um, for people that are listening or watching that are maybe new on the journey, because I think it takes, um, it takes a certain level of competence to be able to enable that freedom in a class. But yeah. I, I want to come back to that because I'm curious before we get there about what is the difference for you in the language around instructor, teacher. Sure. Talk to me about that. Great question. Uh, and I don't mean that just to be like, that's a nice question. I mean, it's a great question. It's something I'm constantly, <laughs> you know, so let's back it up a bit. So when I first started doing yoga, I wasn't bad at it. Not because I was a good yogi. It's just like strong, flexible, cool. It was like a lot of the things that were challenging for other beginners wasn't really that much of a challenge for me. Perhaps for others that, you know, they had the ability to stay a bit more focused than I did. And that got them a little farther. But really what it came down to is when I, I didn't really, took me a while to find a teacher that I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is, yes. oh, this is how it is. And that teacher, first teacher I had that with, great vinyasa teacher, but it was the, it was like, she was the gateway drug. You know, Allison was a wonderful teacher, still is a wonderful teacher. But then when I kind of waltzed into a Mysore practice, uh, not even knowing the primary series and the teacher, like the guy was Christopher and he was just like, <laughs> okay. Uh, what I loved about it is that he had so much knowledge, but there was no way I was going to get it unless I did what I needed to do to like show the, progression now you know this now i know this now i know this now this yeah. oh now i now i know primary series yeah so something kind of shifted that i stopped going to public classes after a while i mean i cut my teeth in new york like from like basically 2000s and, and into like the 2010s let's say and i, I, I practiced with some great teachers I've, mm. I've had some really great experiences and i've had some really bad ones mm -hmm. uh, arguably more bad than good and here's the thing about bad and good that's just my perspective of it didn't speak to me uh and i often felt and, and i'm sure i could i'm probably guilty of it as much as next time it's like i can't speak to everyone in the room i could try yeah but there's a thing about believing the crap that comes out of someone's mouth and when someone tells me with absolute truth and sincerity that this is the way to do something, my first role and responsibility as the cynic is to be like, you're absolutely wrong. Let me show you how you can do it differently. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I got to fight every time I open my mouth, even to this day, ripe old age, almost 39. So that being said, it really comes down to, as a teacher, let's, not, let's back it up. An instructor simply does that. They instruct. Yeah, they have yeah, knowledge. Yeah. It's a gift. Here's what I have. Here's what you need, transactional. You yep. need this, I got this. There's, there's, that's a good thing. You, you drill instructor, someone who tells you, do this, I do this. Like, are you learning something? No, you're just, you know, inhale this, exhale that. Inhale, raise the right leg, exhale, step it forward. Yep. Instructing, nothing wrong. You can learn a lot. That's, that's, it's a lead self-practice, let's say. Teacher. Okay, so the teacher has the knowledge and the, has it. And as a result, in this transactional approach, the student is the one looking for the knowledge. And in a, in a traditional relationship between someone who has something and someone who needs something, there is supply and demand, there is an, a, there's an exchange. Mm -hmm. But that also makes this, I won't say it deifies, but it makes the teacher yeah. always right and the student always searching. Yep. Now, in my understanding of how teaching is, the, the, the one thing that's really missing between teacher and student is what I would say in the, to, to really make someone a well-rounded educator, which is mm -hmm. leading somebody to knowledge. There's the person who creates the space. There's the person who kind of 
fills the space. But then there's the person who holds the space. And that's, to me, the facilitator. The person who simply listens, observes, and is able to kind of offer the connection between this and that. So a true well-rounded educator is someone at all times who's finding a balance between being a student, being a teacher slash instructor, and being a facilitator. Hmm. And this actually came, I, I did a few teacher trainings. Uh, I have used that, I use that liberty. I, I had a couple long-term <laughs> workshops, a couple week long ones, based solely on what I call the yoga of trust. Because to yeah. me, trust absolutely important it's imperative like you you trust you learn to trust yourself so you can trust others so they can do the same yeah, yeah. and that's and that's and you know I, there was a lot of partner work in it but there's a lot of personal work and personal leadership and personal development not because i know better than someone else because this is the work that i've done as a facilitator as an instructor as a student to allow myself the confidence and, co and, and competency to get up in front of a group of people and be like here's what i know Here's what I'd like you to get. Let's figure out how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, in theory and in practice, it's a kind of, it, it really holds your feet to the fire because you, someone who teaches in a style like that, and I'm going to ask you about it in a second, like you got to be okay with whatever happens yeah. and you got to really know, you got to know your, got to know your shit. Yeah. I don't know if we can do that on this, but I'm saying. I'm, you I'm Australian. Do. We punctuate. We oh, cool. Swear words. Go have at it. You got to yeah. F and know your S's. Totally. No, but you yeah. really got to, you got to know, you got to, to thine own self be true. And then to the people around you, you also have to share that truth. So here's my question to you. What yep. was your impression of the class slash classes? Because I, I apologize. I don't remember if you were more than oh. one, but um, when you walk, like when you described it to someone else or like when you walked away, what was the takeaway? Well, I guess when I go to a class, I'm looking at it from the role of student and also as like from uh, learning from a, a peer learning as far as teacher to teacher. Sure. And I think one of the things I remember about, and I, I don't know, I mean, I've, I've got very limited experience with teaching at festivals, but my experience of it is that you get a very eclectic mix of people. You get people <laughs> who sort of, this is a novel idea, let's try yoga, honey, for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then you get people who have been practitioners for a long time. So you always have a mixed room. <clears throat> and I definitely was aware of that in that in the one particular class that comes to mind and I felt that you handled that very well I also remember that you were um you know that those sorts of festivals you're a yoga celebrity, right I'm just gonna throw it out there and what sure. I loved about it it felt like um but it, I didn't feel like I was now in the presence of this guy who'd like made it and and was like, hey, everyone, look at me, buy my shit, and I can teach you all this stuff because I'm famous now. I really did feel like, um, what's the right word? The word that comes up is vulnerability, but I mean that in the sense that what I perceived was someone who was holding space for us mm -hmm. and was also very prepared to be questioned, was actually looking to have conversation and dialogue rather than it just being one direction. And I really... I really value that. And, I, and like I was saying earlier, I think it takes something to have the courage to teach in that way. And for mm -hmm. new teachers, the idea of admitting that someone else in the room might know better or that they might have it all mixed up and wrong, I mean, that, that's terrifying for new teachers. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, the Just to speak softly or kind of quickly to that is my intention, especially upon deciding that I'm just going to go do this thing in front of people and hopefully use whatever platform I have to inspire others to get whatever they want out of it is I want the promise to be kept. Like everything I have done branding, let's be honest, 
th this is a business. So yeah, from yeah. a branding perspective, I never made any promises I couldn't think I would keep in life and like in, in, in showing up. So if you read an article, if you see a video, if you listen to this interview, this is me. And the moment I am anything else but that, you can tell. It's kind of clear. Right. Uh, and, 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 that's, and that's goes back to like, I mean, we can speak about all the great classes I've taken, but the ones that I dislike the most, right. I just, regardless of what my opinion is, it's just that person wasn't speaking to me, A, or when they opened their mouth, I didn't believe them. Huh. And, if it, and, and, and that might be, you know, that's my story. Yeah. But I, I have a, there's the one thing that there's the story that I kind of chat and it, it comes up in time to time from conversations. I'll give you the short version of it. I was teaching at another festival here in the Bay area and I went to a class that two, two, two women taught kind of similar looking. Doesn't make a difference what they look like, but they look similar. They sounded similar. The flow, very nice flow. The music was good. Everything was like all the boxes were checked except I just never, I didn't really like the class. There's something about it. I, Half of it was cool. Something like 50% was great, 50% wasn't. I was just like half in, half out. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we were in like the VIP area because whatever. <laughs> we're, having a, we're having drinks. I'm drinking something. Everyone's just, one of them's come over with a glass of wine. They're both dressed in like their white dresses. One's got the glass of wine and is still talking in the way that she's talking in class. And the other one is like drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Naturally, I go speak to her. <laughs> And she's like, hey, I saw you in class. Thanks for coming. I'm like, yeah, thanks for having me. She's like, what did you think? And I'm like, you know, I got to say, like, I'm actually surprised that I'm hearing you. I'm like, this is, uh, this is interesting. Like, what's, why don't you teach like this? And she goes, yeah. no one wants to hear me speak like this oh. in class. And I go, and I go, oh, I wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah. Oh, this and then it's where it clicked. The half I didn't like was her because I didn't believe it. And whatever, you know, it doesn't matter whether it, that was again my experience but i learned then and this was a few years ago yeah. you know i was in probably in my earlier years of of being more like a as you would put it yoga celebrity which do it <laughs> whatever <laughs> i i don't always see that it's nice to be reminded from time to time um more i'm more like a yoga hermit right now <laughs> that being said hermit hermitage notwithstanding um you know it's it's okay to be you because uh, there's no one else doing it and, and when it comes to a teacher training specifically, they're all money grabs. Every teacher training you go, teachers teach, not because, I mean, they want to, it's great, but we need to make money. Yep. So one of the things that happens is that you kind of attract what you attract, what you put out there. And, yeah. you know, that's great. And a lot of people go to teacher trainings, well, I study with this person, I do that. And if that doesn't mean you, A, just because you went to a teacher training doesn't make you a teacher. B, uh, just because you study with someone, here's the thing. You're not them. You're you. And if you always teach using their voice and their cues and their this is and their that, well, my teacher says this, I study with this person. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I think I'm just going to study with your teacher because obviously you speak so highly of them. Why would I listen to you? If all you do is, I don't know, I don't know you. I know what your teacher teaches. Yes, yes, yes. Now, that being said, that's also just like crusty old blah. But there is, like, if you really think about it, like, authenticity goes a long way. Integrity goes a long way into authenticity. It comes back to trust. Am I believing the stuff that comes out of your mouth? Am I believing the stuff that comes out of my mouth? Um, I mean, yeah, I believe what I'm talking to you right now because it's easy, because this is how I feel. Yeah. And in a class, it's possible I said it in one of the classes, 
don't don't worry about what it looks like. Just bring awareness to what it feels. Yes, like I know. feeling is there's. I always get them confused. Subjective versus objective. I believe subjective is the one that can change, but objective is the one that can't. Like objectively, the sun is yellow. Okay. Subjectively, I think the sun is nice. You know, so you are objectively you, but people can subjectively have whatever experience they want of that. Uh-huh. And you can also have your subjective experience of who you are as uh-huh. a, how you show up. And that's what we want to talk about today was showing up versus showing off. Yes. I love you this. Know? And that's the thing. It's like, as a teacher, it's very easy to show off because everyone's looking at you. The lights are on, the music's playing. It's like, ah, ta, ta. Uh, it's hey, Look at me. Look at the thing I do. <laughs> but the, the moment that you're showing me your practice, what am I learning? I'm learning that you have a really good practice. Now, the moment that you show me how to do something, yes. a, the student, B, the, the person looking to listen and see the person who really wants to connect. So I'm hoping what I hear when you said that there was a sense of vulnerability, that's exactly how it is. Like I have a bad day. I'm going to tell you I have a bad day. I have a good day. I tell you I have a good day. Mm. My practice is my practice. It's not about me. It's about you. Here's what's worked for me. Here's might not work for you, but let's figure it out together. And that. especially you call it festival classes. I call it missionary work, missionary work. <laughs> It's just, you got to go out there. It's like when you teach at a health festival, it is. This is like, you're just, you're just going out there. You're trying to, if you can change one person, if that person never comes back to my class and goes to a yoga class in their local area, finds another teacher or finds that person that they want to follow for the rest of their life, at least you realize that not everyone looks or practices or sounds the same when they teach. And it'd be really nice that, to, to that we, that it's not just about there's that one yoga look or that one yoga sound. It's all about, figuring it out for yourself. I love that. I love that. I, I am, you know, a part of what I teach with my clients is, you know, branding and marketing. And I always say, if you want it to be easy, if you want to be able to, to offer what you have in your business to people and you want that to feel good, you must be yourself that the best brand you could ever have is simply being radically authentic, which can be terrifying, of course, but man, what if people to... don't like me? What if people yes. don't like what I have to say? Well, there's yes. a lot people in this world and heck it's pretty clear especially if you look at social media these days especially in my country especially when it comes to politics there's a lid for every pot and oftentimes there's a lot of different lids for one single pot and whether you like what's in the pot or not there's a container that will hold the uh stuff that you're trying to say yeah so on social media, like I, I haven't, I must admit, haven't looked recently, but I, there was a while when I was stalking you on uh, Instagram. And I also think that like your posts were, I liked what you had to say. You had something that just felt like, here's a guy who's passionate about yoga and who's talking about it. Like it never, it, and which comes back to authenticity. You know, it's about, this is my stuff. Take it if it serves and leave it if it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I look at social media from time to time. To be fair, to be honest, I have to say that like probably in the past, mm, probably even since before the new year, I haven't really done much. Mm. To be, and, and like to, to, to coin, to say something you just said, when I have something to say, I say it. When I don't have anything to say, it just seems inauthentic to try to be like, happy sunshine rainbows, you know, like here's my, another, here's my handstand. Come at me, y'all. Like, or, it's like the it's like the same three copywriters get hired to work for all the yoga who I consider yoga liberties. Listen, a lot of these are great people, a lot of people doing their own writing, but if it's all sounding the same, what else do you have to bring to the yeah. table? Yeah. You're not gonna have a great day every day. And here's the other thing. 
there's like the thing where you have to show the pretty picture and then you say like, here's the pretty picture. My heart is dark. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's like, cheer up, bucko. Like, honestly, <laughs> maybe I, you know, it, it's cool. It's cool. I love when people have the real posts. I love when I have the real posts, but sometimes if I, thankfully I don't have any like brands that like I pay me to do anything. So like, I don't have to hit any marks. Like the 20,000 followers ish that I have on Instagram, never bought them. I've done a couple challenges. I've got tagged in some things. When I post, people listen. When I don't post, people sometimes ask what's going on. But honestly, it's not about trying to, I'm not doing this for, I mean, I am doing this to be in service to other people, but I'm not doing this to show off the cool. I'm just trying, like when I have steam, I let it out. When I have warmth, I get to share it. When I'm cold, I ask for warmth. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and these are just, we're given mouthpieces, we're given platforms yeah. as people in front of, whether it's a classroom or an internet. <laughs> we get to speak up and we get to speak out and we get to listen. That's the best part. Mm. Everyone's talking, but who's listening? Yeah. I want to be that guy who listens. Awesome. Loving all of it. Um, can <laughs> we, I want to backtrack a little bit because I'm, I'm interested in this showing up versus showing off and um, what can my body do that is showing off and what can my body do that's in service to your practice? Because I came up through a tradition in my teacher training journey that where I didn't demo. I would use other students to do the demos, but the teacher's job wasn't to demo. And then as, as I followed my teacher away from our <laughs> tradition implosion, he brought in more teacher demoing. And it was a big deal for me to, mm -hmm. yeah, pick one, you pick one, you'll find yeah, it. It's fine. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my club. Um, yeah. But anyway, so he started teaching more about, okay, you're the teacher, it's your job to demo. And it was, it was a process for me to, okay, now I'm going to take space and I'm going to do something fancy, which is relative, right? It's just fancy to the people who haven't done it yet. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it put me in an interesting situation because I think you're right. As the, as the facilitator, there is a time when you have to show what you've got but in, to be in service to the learning process. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I'm curious about your journey and what is especially when you have a platform and people you meet people at festivals and there is that different uh authority almost or perceived authority than there would be if i'm teaching classes at the church hall sure like how do you um you know people don't want to have selfies with me at the end of class in my little country town you know what i'm saying but still no. like how do you do how do you make sure that what you can do physically with your practice is in service and not a sh showing off. Like what's the check, great, great. check there? Five words. Oh. And then you do this. Okay. If in class you take a class and someone's like, inhale this, exhale that. And then you do this. That means you have to watch them do it, which means they don't have the words to tell you how to do it, which means they don't really know how to relate to the person they're teaching to. So if they can't give cues, if you can't give cues, if you can't, if you have to be like, well, and then you just do this. <laughs> and you do the thing. It's like, well, what's the point of that? Tell me what it feels like to do that. So if I'm, let's just, let's cue up warrior two, right? Uh -huh. yeah. So let's see, step your right foot forward, drop, open your left hip, right arm forward, left arm back, blah, blah. If you're like, okay, step your right foot forward and then you do this warrior two, that's cool. However, grounding down through your front right big toe, as you open your left hip back behind you and externally rotate the thighs and stay outside of your knees and extend your arms outward as you draw your shoulders in, create warrior two. 
it's a very small thing, but, and then you do this means I have to watch you, which yeah. means you have the knowledge and I have to be there. But if I can practice with my eyes closed and I don't have to open my eyes in order to understand what that teacher is saying, that teacher is sharing with me an experience that I not only can learn from, but I can grow from. And it's not about them, it's about me. It's not about their practice, it's about their understanding of the practice. And that's hard. Right. You know, when you meet someone who's like, well, I only teach advanced classes, you, sometimes, or I, you know, I'm with you, I, only, I don't like doing beginner classes because I feel like it's my expression to do this, this, and this. It's like, oh, it's because you're not a good teacher because advanced people just do whatever you tell them to do. Because then you hard. Yeah. And then you do Dude. this. Yeah, right. And I'm not saying I've never said that before because of course. And then you do this. And in doing so, this is what you look for. Great. But and then you do this. If that is a law of you say that often, question. <laughs> how can I take a smaller step to get people to stay more balanced when they're they're doing it? And so when I you know, you wanted to come back to it. Here's a great time. Moving people into postures as opposed to through them. Yes, yes. Why do we make a shape in our bodies? Because we want to feel that shape. That's not to say flowing isn't beautiful or fun or exciting or impressive, but there's something about, there's something about really getting into a pose and not, not having a rush out of it. Like when you do a twist and you're in a twist for an exhale, are you really twisting or are you just looking over your shoulder and trying to get the elbow over the knee and sweating and like, oh, I'm out. You didn't twist. You just made a shape and then you're like, box checked. So check your box, enter into the pose, set up the posture, inhale, exhale, unpack your bags. Don't twist from the top down, twist from the inside out. If you're gonna end up having, you know, you're going into the twist left elbow over right knee, you're looking over the right shoulder right off the bat. Well, then you're just like, you've twisted from the top right, so you're twisting your neck. What's the point of that, right? So ground down, find the connection point, grow away from the connection point. Take five breaths and maybe by halfway through that third breath, maybe just now you're starting to look over that shoulder. Maybe the twist is just starting to unwind and it's not a neck twist. So the cervical, it's not a cervical, it's thoracic. It's, you know, mm. coming from the lumbar that's fixed, then you can open upward as opposed mm. to twisting downward. Letting the heart guide the head as opposed to the other way around mm-hmm. from time to time. Again, these are small things that I think, you know, regardless of whether you're picking up a box from your knees or you're doing like Ekapadarata Kapatasana, like, you know, <laughs> is you, whatever the physical movement is, whatever the physical exp- exploration or expression is, the idea that you're able to really be in it for a bit before you run out of it. And so you end up doing a little bit less, but you end up getting a whole lot more. Yes. I, I, I have come to experience in some of my classes around the world that, in fact, um, like chaturanga is not actually an asana anymore in a lot of practices. It's just something that you kind of momentarily there before you're in a mukhasvanasana. And that's the worst part is because chaturanga is where like a huge amount of people blow their shoulders out in a shorter period of time because yeah. they're not doing chaturanga. They're just lowering their shoulders while keeping their elbows like hugged in. Yes. You know, that thing. Yes. That's like Ashtanga bad boy style. Like, oh yeah, you want to hurt yourself? Just drop those shoulders. <laughs> um, I mean, regardless of lineage, it's just not, it's not, it's not good business to, 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 to damage your clientele, right? right? But you're, 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 you're right. Like when was the last time you just, I mean, 
unless it was to show that you can build strength. Like when's the last time you just hung out in a chaturanga or even better upward facing anything mm. like who just, who unpacks their bags and upward facing anything. I love unpacking my bags up or facing whatever it is, up, mm. cobra, whatever, because there's the ability to like brown the shoulders. Well, here's the other thing. Why do we move our head first? It's like an extremity, just like we don't move from our fingers to move our arms. We move our shoulder to engage the elbow to the forearm, et cetera, et cetera. Like moving from the inside out. Yeah. Very yep. you, you do less, you get more. And here's the other interesting thing about when I take a class and that person is counting out breath and it's a beautiful thing and that they're very good at staying to the breath, but I'm not breathing that fast. I have big, I got big old lungs. Mm. I breathe slowly. And if I'm feeling rushed, I'm, I'm disconnecting because I want to be in the flow. I want to be in the pose, but my flow just happens to be slower. Uh-huh. So if you, you know, giving someone inhale this, exhale that, you're trying to pack a lot into a little, like, like an hour worth of class, hour and 15 minutes of class. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's a way that you lose connection, not just as, a, the, as, the, as the facilitator or the instructor for the group, but as a student, like, I don't know. I just, there are so many times that like, you know, everyone's already going through their vinyasa and I'm just starting to come out of whatever pose that people had before the vinyasa happened. And I, I don't want to rush people. And you find actually you go slow, you burn a lot more, you have a lot more control. There's a lot more core. Everything's a core workout, but it's not the core like sitting, you know, sit-ups. It's like, it's like that core connection to what you are as a mover, as a practitioner. Yeah. It's kind of fun to like see people sweat a bit for doing very little. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one. So I'm going to be controversial here, and I can because I'm the host and you're the talent. I think that sometimes just queuing that stuff, actually that's lazy teaching. What you're talking about takes, you've got to be present. You can't be just rote drill sergeanting if you're trying to teach, if, you're, if your intention is to teach in the way you're describing. You need to be across the room. You need to be watching people, altering pace. I think it takes, it's a, um, go on, Amy, go for it. I think it's a better, it's better teaching. And I also think it gives greater integrity to the profession of being a yoga instructor, teacher, facilitator, whatever. So let me be good cop to the bad cop on that one, which is funny because I'm usually, it's usually the other way around. But like, (laughs) so I I, I see the value uh, of doing that because in the, in the only way that you, okay. So taking a teacher training doesn't make you a teacher. Experience makes you a teacher. Teaching. Yes makes you a teacher yes and in the beginning you got to go with what you know oh totally totally Absolutely. Yeah. and yeah. so having a script is not bad in fact following a script or following or trying to mirror or, or or understand someone else's teaching style or taking on someone else's stuff for however long you do it there's nothing wrong with that agreed but if that's if, if like that's the first year or two or three or four that's fine but it it, it kind of gets old and boring to my to me yeah. to just say the same things over and over and over so how can you like how can you challenge not just yourself but the students to like you know not be in front of the class you can still demo from time to time but if you're actually teaching a yoga class because and, and doing it at the same time like you're just doing a yoga practice and people are listening to you do a yoga practice which is fun it's nice but you shouldn't take a you shouldn't teach a class because you want to take one so that it kind of there, I, I hear you, and I, and large part of me is like, yeah, it's lazy teaching, but it's not that it's lazy teaching. It's just it's arrested development yeah. in on the journey towards being the best version of yourself as a teacher. And even I gotta say, even just saying that out loud, uh, it's a new thing. I don't think I've actually said that 
in the, the, those words in that order with this particular idea. But it's, it's, it's kind of a fascinating point that like, sometimes people don't know that's only just the beginning. And you can be a really good drill sergeant, be the best yes. drill sergeant out there, but there's room for one really good drill sergeant, maybe two. And so we could talk about bad teaching. I love bad teachers. Want well, to know why? They make me look good. <laughs> but they Keeps make you be good. good, don't you think? Well, that's if I go to a crappy class, I learn so much about what not to do. You're 100%. Like, and I love that. Oh, I yoga the hell out of that sometimes when like, I, like my mentors or my teachers that like the real ones who like the, the ones I learn the most from, I hate the most because I love <laughs> them the most because it just didn't work out. And we just like, oh, blah. It's life, man. You know, you don't have to, you can't choose your family. I mean, you, you can choose your family when it comes to this kind of stuff. But really, if you, if everyone's trying to get in the same room and just has, everyone has got a different entrance, you got to wait in line sometimes. Just knowing that we're all going in the same direction. It's really easy to, to judge. And this is, you know, you ever meditate? Ju observation without judgment, it like comes right back at you when it comes to, to teaching or, or like the actual asana practice. Like it's real easy to make a point or make a claim. This is that, or that's that. And that's speaking in absolute. And I got to say, if we had this conversation like three years ago, I'd be like, bah, like, yeah, bah, be like a bad boy. But really like, <laughs> you know, to each their own and everyone like, you know, everyone really, there's a, there's a there's space for everyone. And a bad teacher is really just a teacher that you don't like I really in my opinion there's no there's no there's no there's no, there's no wrong there's no right there's just what works and what doesn't and that differs from person to person from place to place from practice to practice and from day to day mm. you know even throughout the day yeah so if you're able to just kind of keep that in balance now there are certain things that you should just not screw with like you know turning your head when you're in a back bend or <laughs> pressing your neck down when you're going up into shoulder stand whatever <laughs> like safety is of paramount importance, but if you can be in a safe space or create a space safe or hold that space, safe space, and then you understand your practitioner or the people in front of you, you can kind of mess them a bit. You can take them to the edge and give them a nudge because mm -hmm. you're confident that if they fall, they actually fall on their feet. Yes. Oh no, yes, this, is, this is, that's completely figurative. You're not gonna actually know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm so glad that you- there's all this like there's a yoga class for everybody so. i'm really glad that you uh just gave us that safety context because all of my alignment based Ugh. stuff was kind of like but what about but what about um so oh, I'm, I'm conscious of our time and I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared so far i want to uh change directions if we may because you shared before we got going today that your yoga business has changed direction a little bit mm -hmm. um and you're doing slightly different things now tell us about what's going on for you at the moment I had a great yoga life, man. I, like, I, I, I don't want to, like, for the lack of a better term, and I, I did it. I did it. I, like, got to be, I, I, I did the thing. You know, I stopped teaching in one spot, and I taught everywhere. I everywhere. taught over 40 countries or 50, I don't know, lots of countries. Yeah. Countless events, workshops, retreats, conferences and festivals and, you know, seminars. It's fun. It's lonely. Mm -hmm. it's hard on the body <laughs> you don't really know who you are because you're just constantly in front of people and even and and i i'm like a b b p b b level yoga liberty there are a level like yoga liberties i'm like maybe c plus it's cool i love it <laughs> like you know you know sometimes you get stopped in the street hey you got with the mustache you do yoga it's true 
but oftentimes it's like I can still go to a yoga festival and, and like get away with like not being noticed and it's the best. <laughs> that being said, traveling, you get to, how do I become a yoga, traveling yoga teacher, Daniel? Like how you do it? How you do it? Well, you just got to be good and then believe in yourself and then you just, life happens. Once you're there though, you're wandering around, you're setting a lot of fires, you're cultivating a lot of practices, but you never get to stay in one place long enough to feel the warmth of the fire. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's, after t basically, we'll say 10 years of doing just that, I don't know, I wanted, I wanted to be in one spot. I wanted to, I was, the, I was blessed to receive many, many, still am, even here with this, this is a beautiful thing to be invited to just to share my practice. And, and people think I have something important to say. And I mean, I believe so, but it's nice that other people think that I want to be able to create that opportunity for other people, be it it's a teacher to learn more, be a student just to, to on a regular basis, enjoy whatever, uh, to create events, uh, to, um, to, to, to put other people in the spotlight because, and also to have a family, to have a, I have a dog, I have a puppy now you buy, it's possible you heard screeching in the other room. I got a little, I got a little parrot. You can't have that when you travel. It's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether I really want a parrot, it screeches all the time, whatever. Mooncake's awesome. I got a lovely, I got a lovely fiance. I, I got a, I, it's, it's a modest, comfortable apartment in the hills. I have redwoods in the backyard. I live in the Bay area. It's like not a bad place to be. And I still yeah. get to travel when I want, but yeah. if I, I say it a lot and then I end up getting on it, I said, up just contradicting myself. But if I never get on a plane again, <laughs> did it so my my practice has pivoted less about being in the spotlight and more about creating spotlights for others and mm -hmm. um you know for you know we had talked about it like the thing that i'm like super stoked about there's yes. two things i just remembered the first thing it just launched uh there's a website udaya.com you know there i just they just published uh that we made this like two years ago probably that same year that we met this thing called average yoga it's a free youtube yeah free youtube series just they're doing one a day. There's maybe like 16 or 18 online. It's just like, I break down postures. I tell you what's up. It's no fluff. It's no like, it's like, it's straight. It's shot. No chaser. It's like, you want to learn something. Here's the thing. You never done yoga before. This guy wants to help you do the yoga. Awesome. So average yoga, udaya.com, YouTube. You can look on my stuff, but like, honestly, just look up A V E R A G E J O G A two words. And that's the thing. I'll send you the information. You can post it whenever, but yes, that's that, like, so like, and that doesn't, you don't even need to ask questions about it. Like if you know someone who wants to do yoga, but like, doesn't really like listening to yoga teachers, like maybe I'm the guy who helps you get there. I want to be your gateway drug. So that's, but also, but also Daniel, I'm just going to say on that one, I've got a couple of clients and they just teach yoga for men in Australia because here we're not still not kind of, it's still like a thing that women do in stretchy pants. And so even just to have I, I not know, only, it's there. Yeah. like not only like access, that's easy and plain talking, but also that there's another man that other men can learn from. I think he's just like crazy important actually. There's a term that's thrown around a lot. I hate it. It's called broga. Yeah. Talk about branding. Now listen, average yoga, it's cute. Yay. Everyday yoga for the everyday yogi. Fantastic. But the real gem here is that it's for everybody, whether you're yeah. male or female, yeah. flexible yeah. or not. Like it's just whether you, maybe you want to just sharpen what you're doing in class, but you're not the kind of guy or gal that wants to stick around and ask questions because you don't want to do that. You don't have the time. Yeah. Watch a video, learn a thing. Here's a cue, et cetera. Cool. Poop. Very cool. Um, but you know, it's not just Australia. It's everywhere. Like yeah. while being a man in a woman's world, uh, the yoga world, the low market, um, 
it's interesting because I, I, and it's a larger conversation we don't have to get into, but I, certain people make assumptions about my uh, being a man just around lots of women. Like, what's that like? And it's like, it's again, like I said to me, it was, it's beautiful. But it's lonely because I'm not here for anything else besides making people or helping other people understand their bodies better and not in the way that a lot of people think when they think, Oh, you're a guy teaching yoga. Nice job. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's not that. That being said, there is a lot of that. And I think a lot of it comes to the words that we choose and the like toxic masculinity, I believe is the term that's often thrown around just in, 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 in just, you know, this like, Oh yeah. Like I'm a guy, I'm a dish, I'm a that. Like you can be super masculine and you don't have to, you know, play rugby mm-hmm. or, you know, or you can play rugby, but you don't have to be like a slab of meat. You know, <laughs> you can eat meat, but you don't have to act like a hunk, just like a just like a, a jerk. And there's a sense of being like strong, vulnerable, masculine. Great. Well, I feel like I'm that. Like I'm, you know, just a guy who just this is how I practice. This is how I yeah. live. It yeah. Doesn't have to. I don't. I don't wear braids. I don't smell like patchouli. I partake in things from time to time and <laughs> everything in moderation, including moderation. I believe Julia Child said that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, and so that actually, I think that actually let's, we can pivot that in, pivot into the second thing I'm doing. Yeah. So there's this, there's this inversion chair called the feet up, feet up trainer. And it looks like a squatty potty with a little padding on it. It's amazing. Okay. Like, so on the outset, it's helping. It's an inversion chair. You can do a, compression-free inversion with a super solid wooden base. Huh. Good, comfortable padding, about the size of a stool. I have one, but I'm not, I don't need to show it. I'll, show you, I'll send you links, maybe get you guys a discount. Yes, yes. But the idea is to take the fear of having to fall, to take the, the, the pain of any sort of spinal issues that you might have away, and to help people invert safely and more effectively. Um, also, it's a great yoga prop because it's like having two bricks that so you can do alignment-based cues. You can do, you have a lot more space to do a lot other parts of your practice that, cool. and here's the thing about showing off versus showing up. No one wants to just take a brick and <laughs> extend their arm. Everyone needs to like, I need to touch the ground and I need to sacrifice the line so I can, like, you know, so I can supplicate or whatever. I can blow up the idea that I'm doing the thing that looks good. Yep. Don't worry about how it looks. Bring awareness to how it feels. This feed up trainer is freaking fantastic. And I'm excited about it and I believe in it and I use them all the time. And I'm leading a teacher training in the States. I'm the first guy to, to bring the state. Like, wow. it it's like huge in Europe. They're, they have like a couple, a couple dozen teacher trainings. They've, they're all over like a hundred studios all across Europe, but there's nothing in America. And I'm, these guys are wonderful. They make a really well, great product. And honestly, uh, as a guy who spends a lot of time upside down or has spent a lot of time upside down, sometimes I can't be bothered to just do a handstand or even a headstand because I just want to relax my shoulders. It releases all this tension in the collarbones and yeah, the shoulder right. blades, all like your supraspinatus and all these beautiful things can release because you're not activating, you're yeah. releasing and you're able to create an inversion, an inversion being anytime your head goes below your heart <laughs> without any stress. And, and, and it's not just feet up. It's literally, you can have your knees into your chest and just be in a ball upside down. You can put it against a wall and it won't slide and there's no way to fall over. You can do it in the middle of the room. You can do it with a friend. It's a great thing. And I'm super excited about it because I think more people need to spend more time upside down without being afraid of what's going to happen. 
I love that. I've recently um, taught a retreat for yoga teachers, 10 mm-hmm. yoga teachers in the room. I queue, okay, let's do like 10 minutes to shasana and one go. And everybody's sort of standing there like, we don't know what Ten to minutes. do. We, we, we've yeah. never taught that. We've never practiced that. These mm-hmm. people have been teaching for years, but the fear around injury from inversions means that they weren't even taught how to teach it and they don't have it in their right. practice. Oh, absolutely. And so and I think that's ter- terribly sad that we're missing out on a whole suite of yoga asana because of uh, poor instruction or fear mm. of injury. Uh, so I'm one, uh, like this could be one of the ways that people can come back to safe inversions. Vanity. Everyone wants to look good, but not often is everyone able to do the work. And yeah. looking good is great, but looking good should come from the inside outward. I've said this, you know, in other capacities, but yeah. my favorite, I love saying this one. You want to, your brand's birthday, right? You want to bake them a cake that tastes good. Now, if you bake them a crappy cake and you just put a lot of frosting on it, they're going to find out it's shit when they cut it. Just any way you look at it. It's just like, ugh, what is this? But if you just make a nice solid cake. It doesn't need frosting, but it's a tasty cake. It doesn't need decoration. It just yeah. needs to be served and enjoyed. Our yoga practices are very similar to the cakes, like how we cultivate our practice. It should not look good because you think it looks good. It should look good because it feels good. And then who gives a shit what people think how it looks? Now, of course, once you find good, you can create great. Yep. You know, once you find your alignment, then you can polish, bedazzle, make it a little flashy, but it's, you got to do substance before flash. Yes. Yes. Or otherwise, why are you doing what you're doing? Because it's clearly not for you unless what you want to be is seen, which is not bad. But let's be honest here. Be, if you're honest with that, then if you're feeling good by showing off, by all means, you should do it. But make sure you do a little feeling from time to time. You <laughs> might be able to relate a little better with the people that you so excitedly wish to connect with. Love it. Where can we find out more about all of your stuff? Tell us your... Amazing. Well, uh, www.danielscottyoga.com, feetup.com, F-E-E-T-U-P.com, uh, udaya.com, U-D-A-Y-A, uh, just average yoga. You'll, you'll get a whole list, I'm sure, when you click on this. Like, Daniel does yeah. this. All the things. Um, yeah. Basically, just look up Daniel Scott Yoga on the internet and you'll... <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the mustache who sounds pretty much like this. Um, awesome. More time, more time upside down recently. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that great wisdom with us. Lots for me to think about. And I'm sure everybody else who's joining us. If yeah. I, I check out know, all of his links. The, the most exciting part about these kind of conversations is that I get to listen to it in a few years and be like, oh man, that's how it was at that time in my life. <laughs> and, so for all the people hearing this, like, remind, like, just be reminded that it's really important that you know, everything changes, but it's what you take with you. It's what you leave behind. That's how the practice is created. And you create the practice and the practice will create you. Nice one. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. If you've enjoyed these interviews and you're interested in having my support as your yoga business coach, check out the information about my coaching package at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash coaching.